good to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our Rwanda team is thrilled to be back. We're, uh, we're ready already to go back as well. Uh, I mean, it's just such a different climate weather-wise, <laughs> and it's such a different climate. Um, church is so very different uh, on, the, on the African front, and I suppose in West Africa, just like I know when we had a team that was in Togo a couple of years ago, we discovered that uh, they like to dance in their services <laughs> during worship. And I noticed this morning that a couple of you were trying to dance. <laughs> Emphasis on trying. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest part of dance that you and I get, we get a little sway going, right? It's just a little bit of this. Hallelujah. I might be breaking out into a Pentecostal here just a moment. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Bart, back in December, uh, we, we began to have what we called a um, Christmas endeavor where we were seeking as a fellowship to raise about $7,500 to dig a well in uh, West Africa in uh, the country of Guinea. And we raised about 4500 of that, so we still have about 3000 to go, but there's been some progress. So Bart, would you give us a quick update? And it doesn't have to be quick, just an update on what's happening in Guinea. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, by the way, that hockey game, I won either way because I'm an American and U.S. citizen. So, uh, so yeah, either way I was going to come out in the winning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you, church, for uh, the funds that you raised. Uh, we've completed part of the project, which is the actual well drilling part. I don't know if we've got some pictures to throw up there yet, but um, yeah. So uh, that's actually the final picture. That's the water uh, spraying. Here's, here's the preliminary pictures of the drilling rig starting out the job drilling. And uh, should have one more in there. Uh, actually, this is Pastor Daniel here uh, praying with the drill team before they get started. Uh, so uh, there should be one more picture there with a bunch of dust in the air. Uh, no. No, maybe maybe we didn't get maybe we didn't get one that one transferred. But this is the important one, the the songs that we sing often. In fact, one of them this morning was talking about the water, the blessing of water, the water of life. So praise God that the drilling team was successfully able to drill a well and find water, and uh, now instead of having to haul water 50 or 60 kilometers, which is about 35 or 40 miles for church and for events that are held at that church, they now have water right on the property. Praise God for that. So not only for the church and the congregation there, but for the Bible translation teams from surrounding villages and language groups that are in the area that Pastor Daniel supports. Uh, so praise God that future events, they will be able to service all of the physical needs of all of the students and uh, translation teams that come in here. Now, Pastor Daniel is what we call a key player in the Bible translation movement in Guinea. Uh, so you could pray for him as he, dis as he talks with other indigenous pastors where they don't have the Bible in their language. And he supports them to come to his training center there and uh, facilitate Bible translation teams taking the training so that they can get access to God's word in their language. Praise so praise God for that. 
I would ask that you would pray for Pastor Daniel and many of our other uh, African uh, representatives. Uh, for those of you that keep up with international news, you'll know that Burkina Faso, which is where Daniel, Pastor Daniel comes from, and many of our other African brothers and sisters from Burkina Faso are suffering. Many of them are running for their lives. They're living outside the country right now or living in places of refuge. So no doubt Pastor Daniel would have concerns for his family back in Burkina Faso. Uh, so we appreciate your prayers for them. Uh, the next phase of the water project is to build a tank and distribution system for that facility. So the remaining funds, if we're able to raise them, we'll be able to fund the building, the construction of that water tank and tower system uh, to complete that water system for that facility. Hallelujah. And so just in a nutshell, if we were going to try and cap that whole thing, it's a concrete platform with two downspouts. It's an elevated about 600 liter tank. You see it up on the wall here. And uh, that cost is about... $3,000, and so church, between this location, my bad, <laughs> I know everybody else can hear me, but the internet can't hear me, so what we're trying to accomplish today between this location and our Gladstone campus is to raise the remaining $3,000, and so if you would like to be a part of that and help us accomplish that, we would like to finish the project and then prepare for the next one. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, that was semi-aggressive. Can I get an Amen. There we go. All right. And so, um, Bart, $3,000 does the remaining work? Yep. Amen. Well, we want to pray for Pastor Daniel right now. We want to pray for our church family members. If you have not seen what's going on, World News, there was a military coup in Burkina Faso and a takeover of the existing government and a military uh, person was put into charge. I think the second in command of the military is now in command in Burkina Faso. Anyway, many are uh, troubled and running for their lives, as Bart said, and so we want to pray. We have very many brothers and sisters there, and so we just want to believe God for good things, and certainly for Pastor Daniel's family. So pray with us this morning, church. Father, we thank you first for Wycliffe Translators. We thank you for Wycliffe Associates, God, and the, the connection. And uh, Bart Maley, who is actively involved connected with Pastor Daniel, Pastor Daniel's family back in Burkina Faso. God, would you help? Would you protect? Will you supply and provide all needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Lord, for the work that is being accomplished in Guinea, we pray, God, for those pastors to, uh, Lord, come into the Bible Translation Center to be a part of translating the scriptures into their language so that they can take the good news of the gospel to their people, Lord, in their language, and so hear and receive the message of life. And so God be glorified, and may the water, Lord, may this water tower be in a place where people will come not only to receive the water, but the living water. We pray for Muslims across the nation as they come, that God, they would receive the water of life. And so God be glorified. We ask your blessing. Bless us as a congregation as we raise funds. I pray, Lord, that we would give till it hurts. That, Lord, we wouldn't give out of our abundance, but, Lord, that we would give to the point where it's sacrificial and that we would recognize there's more to the kingdom of God than what we often see. And so, Lord, help us. Help us. Transform our hearts, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said a hearty amen. 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 Any final words? Uh, just God bless you. 
<laughs> enjoy drinking your glass of water today, thinking that you've helped somebody else somewhere else in the world that's going to be drinking a glass, glass of clean water today, too. Amen, amen. Give it up for Bart this morning, guys. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to go ahead and run a, a video. It's about six and a half minutes, and uh, this was put together uh, by Adam Neal, and uh, it's a, a recap, if you will, of our mission work in Rwanda, and then the team is going to come up, and they're going to share a testimony. Go ahead. Thank you.
Amen. All right, if we can have the Rwanda team to come on up, that would be great. That would be great. Give it up for these guys. Amen, amen. Just fill in across the front here, you guys. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Reuben share first. Uh, and I think everyone's prepared to share something. Uh, Reuben is also on our worship team, so he's needing to get over to uh, Gladstone campus here shortly. So Reuben, besides that super epic uh, still shot of you in the video, <laughs> thank you, Adam. <laughs> uh, go for it. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Reuben. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Uh, I know it's a little bit cliche, you know, for people to come back from a mission trip and be like, it was life-changing. But for me, it was, it was really life-changing. Um, I went, uh, I think before we left, I, I said, you know, I'm open to the whole experience. I don't really know what to expect. And I, uh, it's crazy what God can do when you just have an open heart for what he has, you know. I think um, all of us are going to go in detail in different things, but God did amazing things every single day, multiple times a day. There were so many situations where it was just, um, it was just God putting things, you know, uh, into order how he wanted them to be done. And uh, for me, it was, uh, um, I think one of the things that I really loved about Rwanda was just to, like the worship on Sundays. The services are super long, like six hours. And um, that's, that's what we're thinking about. That's what we're thinking about doing here at Hillside. So get ready. <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was amazing just seeing uh, how people worship with like the fervor that they worshiped, you know, uh, like Pastor Dave said, there was dancing and there was just singing from the soul. And it was, it was just really amazing and beautiful. And I know from being in so many churches, um, throughout the years, uh, I've been, you know, sometimes we get a little bit apathetic and we get a little bit into the routine and just seeing the, how people that, you know, um, I mean, it's just four walls and a roof and, um, a really, you know, simple sound system, but they praise like, oh my goodness, you know, um, I think, you know, I make noise with my electric guitar. No, they, they make noise and it's just their voices and it's, yeah, um, yeah, just God did amazing things, and um, the team that we went with, you know, all the people here, they were just amazing uh, people that, you know, were just um, open to what God wanted to do, and the, the people we worked with over there, too, were were amazing. Uh, they, they're doing really good work. Amen. They're doing amazing work, and, you know, there's so much need, and, you know, the workers are few, and I just, it was... It, it filled my soul and filled my heart to be able to just do a little bit for two weeks. And I really hope this is just the beginning of, of something I, I keep on doing. We'll start this way. Thanks, Ruben. Uh, and for that amazing shot. Perfect opportunity. The, the winds were coming. You know, the, the rain would show up and turn on. And then right before that, you get a good gust of wind. So I saw Ruben's hair flowing. And I was like, Ruben, can I just get this one shot? Um, so all of us were taking pictures and videos and things. Uh, and John and my roles, one of our main roles was to take video. Uh, and so we were running around doing a lot of that. But... Um, while other things were happening, I got a lot of a, a lot of opportunity to 
look in more detail at people's face and just to see like pain <coughs> on people's faces. <laughs> um, you know, like kids would be happy because, you know, they have what they have and that's all they know. Um, and, you know, their, their life circumstances, they're put into those life circumstances and they get no say one way or the other but they don't know any differently than what what they what they've you know their lot in life and um one thing that just struck me was looking at all these kids and seeing the pain on their face seeing the pain on the mom's faces um but still seeing joy as well in their faces um i also got to preach which i yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but, uh, but it worked out okay in the end. Um, I didn't get to listen to any of Dave's preaching, um, but, you know, I remember coming into preaching on a Sunday, and I was just so nervous, so nervous, and I, I just felt really attacked by the enemy, like, you're going to lose your thought, you know, you're going to get stuck in your notes, and you're not going to know where to go. Uh, you're not going to speak long enough because I know they speak a long time, um, and and you, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah Dave he he went long too he went long for even for them he went long um, but you know coming coming into church uh, I got an opportunity to talk to Dave one morning and just kind of lay that all out on the table and um, was able to go in and really. You know, let the Lord speak to me on what I was going to share that day. And what I shared was about uh, turning around. Like if, if you've been living one way and not realizing that you're actually living uh, against the Lord, you know, giving opportunity for people to recognize that and turn back the other way. And I use Paul as an example. Um, you know, his whole life, he, well, most of his life, younger part. I'm not, I'm, can you tell I'm not a, I'm not a Bible person? I'm, I'm a Bible person. I'm not. I'm, yeah, let's just continue forward here. Um, but, you know, he spent a lot of time persecuting the church and then God showed up and he had an opportunity and he changed 180 degrees. And there was no question. There was no second guessing God. It was I lived this way and now I'm going to live this way. So I was able to, to share that in both messages. And um, I just it was it was good. I was still nervous. But fortunately, the hour the the hours that went by in this sermon or in the, in the message, in the service, um, you know, I had a lot of time to sit and think and relax by the time it actually got to me. And another fun thing was right before the preacher gets up to preach, they do one more like hardcore dance it out worship. And I, I coined it in the second service I preached at, that's the wear out the preacher dance. Because then that's how they keep, keep track of how much time a preacher is going to spend preaching is just wear them out. So, but... Yeah, that was kind of my takeaways. Uh, um, I don't know. We have so many stories to share, uh, and I couldn't pick one. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to talk for like two hours. Because <laughs> uh, it was amazing. From uh, Even before we left Oregon, God was opening doors and doing miracles. So we could, we could tell stories, each one of us, of like God, God grace on our group, on our team, and and the group in Rwanda, uh, but I want to share specifically, sorry, I'm shaking, uh, specifically about the 
three boys in that picture. Um, so um, during the week, uh, we would go, some of us, so we would go to do visits to kids that are already sponsored and new kids to get them in the sponsorship program. And we went to this family and they had three kids, two, two younger boys and uh, the older one was uh, is, is, um, 18 years old. And when we got there, uh, he was just inside drawing in the dark. And as we were, in, we started interviewing the family. So what do you like to do? What do you like to, you going to school? They don't go to school. Uh, and then we, we started asking questions to the older boy, Clebert. And uh, he was like, well, I had to drop out of school because we couldn't pay the fees a few months ago. And um, and um, our, our hearts broke because it was already been a few days in interviewing families. And, um, and it's just so, school is so cheap and they just cannot afford even a bag of rice. And, um, so when we went back and we started sharing with the group, we were like, this boy is like, the school is like $127 per trimester and he, he's not going to school because they can't even afford food. And uh, all of our hearts broke and Pastor Day was like, well, he, from today, he's going back to school. Like, his school is being paid. Uh, so he's going to go back to school. Um, thanks for God using Dave and his life. And then a little bit later, Susan was like, well, I'm going to sponsor the other two boys. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we were just like crying of joy. It's like, and this is just one of the 15 or 18 kids that got sponsored in just two weeks. And so we were like, we need to go back and tell them that they've all been sponsored. And so when we went back, uh, we first told the younger boys, we were like, whoa, you guys have been sponsored. This is your, your new mama. And she's going to, and they were like, all excited. Yeah. So happy. And we got to witness the joy of just going to school. It was like just, this is like all they wanted was just going back to school. Because some of them, they get, they get lunch at school. Uh, and they don't get lunch at home. So if they get to go to school, they get to eat. And then... As the translator was translating, we were like, well, he got clever. The older boy got sponsored, too, so he's going back to school. And as she was translating, his face was like, like this. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. Like, he was so shocked, and he couldn't believe it. And I, we, we just couldn't hold our tears. And a few days later, those are, you have to imagine that those families have nothing. A few days later, he came to the base which is right next to the, their house. And the older boy, he wanted to go, he wants to go to a, a school of arts. He brought a picture that he, um, that he drew for Pastor Dave. He drew, drew it in two days and he framed it, he painted the frame, whatever he could find. And he just was so happy that he wanted to give thanks. He would just want to be grateful. And there was just, there was just another sign of God saying, Thank you, like, this is God moving. All that to say, everyone in this room can change somebody's life. And it doesn't have to be through just sponsorship. Uh, it doesn't have to be the $50 a month. It could be 
$3,000 for water tanks. It could be bags of rice. When we will go visit families, we will bring bags of rice, and um, they were just super grateful for just a bag of rice. And uh, there's so many, so many ways, backpacks, uh, soccer balls, everybody in this room with very little could bless um, just a family. Uh, and I could tell more stories, but I'll leave now. <laughs> Well, those two little ones, the taller one is Jesse, and the younger one is Michael. And I happen to have a son named Michael. So, and I called this little boy Mike, and he told me his name was Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and this, these people are the most gentle, soft-spoken, courteous, respectful group of people I've met in a very, very long time. In fact, when we were playing, the boys and I were, well, they were playing soccer, and I was a, a goalie, I think. And <laughs> the older one knew that I was not quick on my feet, and so he would just give me these little softball little things, and then it would go past me, and the little one would chase it. So that was our game of soccer. But anyway, now I have two, I have all granddaughters, so now I have two grandsons. <laughs> but I went there to work in the sewing uh, uh, school. And I'm a lifelong sewer, quilter. Uh, it's been part of my life forever. And I brought projects for them to make. And my idea all along was to give them an opportunity to make something and then to learn to make something and then remake it for a profit of a side business that they could think outside of the box because they were learning to make uniforms, uniforms for the other students in the school and basically learning to sew. And what I quickly found out that is of my 40 students that I had, um, some of them were brand new, that um, barely knew how to use scissors. And some of them were really quite advanced. They're, they're getting ready to um, graduate and have a possibility of working in a factory or setting up their own side business of sewing. There's a lot of side business of people with their sewing machines along the street and you come and get things repaired or made. And I quickly um, noticed this one girl in the front row. She was very, very quiet, very efficient in what she did. She paid attention. She uh, watched everything that I instructed. She completed her tasks beautifully. And so after the first day, I was taking pictures. They were so happy to have their finished projects, and I was taking pictures of the different girls. And I took one picture into Patrick, who's the head of students. Is that who he is? Mind you, translating is difficult, and hearing what is translated is sometimes diff difficult. And I showed him the picture of this girl, and I said, do you know who this girl is? And he said, yes. And I said, well, what is her story? And he goes, oh, that's a long story. And he said, can I talk to you later? So the next day I go to class, same thing, all kinds of students and um, we finished our projects, and then the next, the following day, um, I sought him out again because this girl would not get off of my mind. And my idea was that I thought she was exceptional, and I wanted to make sure that they knew that, and if there was any way that we or I could help to get her into what I'm going to, as a, not a better term, graduate school, you know, a better a school advanced from what she was learning. And... That isn't what I found out. She was, turns out, she's 25. 
She was sent from East Rwanda as a domestic in Kilgali in a rich home, which um, didn't a live-in domestic, which didn't work out because men in that home was seeking her out for sex. So she moved to another home, and I do believe that that was repeated in that home. So she goes to a third home, and I don't know what the time period is. Um, she is somehow gets sponsored by another charity to come to this school and still be a live-in domestic. And it came, they started asking questions of her in school as to why she was so tired all the time and why she was having difficulty concentrating. And it came out that the 65-year-old man that lived in the home that she was living in was attempting sex with her most nights, and she was staying awake, fearful that he was going to succeed. But what came through the translation, the very first time the story was told to me, is that he had succeeded. And Dave and I were going to the police. I'm, whoa. I wanted her out of that house immediately that night. That didn't happen, but uh, we got her out a couple of days later. And she moved in. I sponsored her. She moved into the Hope Vocational Center. Um, she, um, I paid for the rest of her term uh, housing. Her, her schooling was paid by this charity that sponsored her. But she didn't have any means to pay for her living expenses to be in the Hope Vocational Center. That is separate. So I said, how long is it going to get, how, long, what, how much is it going to take to get her to the end of her schooling? So they quoted me a price, and I said, paid. And then, so some wrangling around, a couple of days later, they had to do it by not, by not saving, losing face with the family that was there, because they actually did, in some ways, try to help her. And so long story short, she is now living at Hope Vocational. She is paid to the end of her term. I bought um, a mattress for her. All this, she didn't have the basic necessities uh, of living. Um, she just had the clothes on her back, basically, and a little bit more. And Emmy, who is uh, part of our translating team, and he's also, is he a pastor? Yeah, yeah at another church. Um, in, has a heart for these lost girls. He just simply has a heart for them. So he became my translator, and in the end, um, he got her real story, and um, it's, it's, it's a long one, but um, she's safe, and she has everything she needs, and I haven't really been able to talk about it since I came home. It's just been, um, but the Holy Spirit just said, you got to keep after this girl. You just can't let this go. And so I'm just very pleased. I know I wrote in my diary before I left, don't go expecting to change the world. Ex go to expect changing yourself. And that's exactly what happened. And, and along the way, maybe I blessed a few people that will maybe someday bless someone else. So passing it forward. I know. Well, um... In December, God gave me a word for the new year, and it is joy from that verse in Psalm that says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
And, but, you know, it came to be New Year's Day, and I was sick in bed with COVID. And I'm like, oh, God, this is really joyful. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, even, I even contemplating backing out of this team because I just wasn't ready. I still had things to do, and I was sick and, and tired. But God is faithful. And he wove me into this team. And we became one unit of joy givers. Amen. And I got to witness that. I got to witness the little things of joy. Like when Adam was on the construction site and he bought everyone, all the construction workers, a soda. You, you would have thought they were kids in a candy shop. I mean, it was just... <laughs> And, and then there were the big things, like what Susan did. And, and I got to witness our other teammate that isn't here today, Angela, who is a physical therapist. I got to witness her give so much joy. She transformed a family's life in just, just an hour. We walked in, and this little girl in this wheelchair just seemed so unengaged and um, lethargic and, and um, yes, oh my goodness, what can we do? But Angela just went right at it and started working ever so gently, just so gently. And I got to witness this girl just light up and her biggest smile and the joy you saw on the mom's face because Angela taught her practical ways to engage her daughter and that joy for the mom to think, I, you know, I can do something. I can do something practical. And then, too, I got to witness you guys being the joy givers. You're woven into this team. And the money you donated, I got to see kids just light up when we'd give them a bike. Because it meant instead of two-hour trek to school, it could be more like an hour, a half hour. You know, it's, it's just a life changer. And then your prayers. Oh, my goodness. We felt your prayers. Because of those prayers, I got to witness my sister lead a young construction worker named Joshua to Christ. He, he didn't know his name was in the Bible, didn't know what it mean, meant, and Tammy shared it with him. And because you guys are back here praying, he caught on. He caught on to it and gave his life to Jesus. So that was just so special, so special. And and not only were we joy givers, we were joy recipients. I, I got to meet the two boys that my husband and I have sponsored for over 12 years and um, to see that they're growing up. Fine, honorable, Holy Spirit-filled man just brings me joy I can't say and um, you guys they have nothing nothing and they presented me with this shirt that their sister sewed and um, this is a special honor in Rwanda and they gave my husband a watch and you, you know you, you just think what, what did they sacrifice to, to do that but um, I am so glad that I listened to God and I went with this team. So. As we're talking about Angela, um, I got to witness her leading a Muslim girl to Christ in the foyer of, this, of the office building. And 
So she's, she lives in Virginia now. She used to be part of our, our, our fellowship here at Hillside. She lives in Virginia. And I walked in and I went, what's going on? Oh, Lord. So, yeah, that was really, really special. Well, this is why I wanted to go first. So I wouldn't be just a blubbering mess by the time it got to me. But um, this is just an incredible team. It's the largest team we've taken to Rwanda. And I think the highlight uh, for me was just seeing the fruit of many years of, of prayer and serving and giving from not just me. I'm, I'm talking about all the people that grabbed hold of, of the vision and the mission with me long ago. Um, my first journey to Rwanda was in 2010. And I remember going and being so overwhelmed at the need. I remember interviewing orphans back then, not knowing where it would lead, thinking, what can we do? I was just overwhelmed and feeling incredibly small and insignificant. And it was two years before then that I uh, met Pastor Emmanuel and started praying with him, never intending to go to Rwanda, but... If you know Pastor Emmanuel, you know you can't pray with that man without uh, just getting sucked into his vision. And so it was in 2010 that that Apple, we weren't even official, we weren't even Apple of his eye charity yet, but I went on that first mission trip. And just to go back this time, I, the, I was still overwhelmed with the needs. I still felt very small and insignificant, but I can't tell you. The, the seeds that have been planted over the years, watching the fruit from those seeds, just seeing all that God's done, and he just does it. I mean, it's just, it's just like the little mustard seed. I mean, you're just doing one act at a time, giving what you have at a time, and just seeing how he multiplies those acts of faith and those obedience. It's all him. It's not us. So that was definitely the highlight. If I could put into two words what this trip was, I would say divine appointments. I think you've already heard from several of them. I mean, it was every day, every person, maybe several times a day, we couldn't keep up with it. All God was doing was just amazing. Um, I'm just going to really quickly share just uh, one of my highlight divine um, appointments. Gina and I got to go with a few others to construct Solomon's house. Megan's orphan's family was getting a remodel. And it became apparent within, like, what, 20 minutes, John, that we were not really needed. <laughs> that we were just eye candy or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's probably not yet. <laughs> So Gina and I, Reuben and John were chasing a chicken, but I thought, well, I'm good. <laughs> and so Reuben, uh, Gina and I went around the house and just started prayer walking and um, praying Psalms 91 and just whatever else came to mind. And we were behind the house and just really out of sight. No one could see us and just started praying, God, you know, just use us. Like you can send somebody around the corner right now that needs prayer or help. And I mean, I like, I'm sure that I just look shocked when this blind woman walks around the corner and just walks right up to us right after that prayer. And just, um, you know, 45 minutes later, I can just tell you that we found out her whole story. Her son, Blessing, is now sponsored and is part of the Muzuma program. 
and we got to pray with her and love on her. I mean, it was just amazing. That was just one divine appointment out of so many that, um, that we saw God do. We'll save the best for last. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Dad. Um, um, uh, what TJ said is true. Um, me and Ruben were trying to catch a chicken at the job site. Uh, and let me tell you, chickens over there are a lot faster than they are over here. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even get close. Um, but, you know, before we left, we spoke here and just got prayed for at our night of worship. Um, and we mentioned how God had kind of winnowed the team down. And it was kind of a Gideon scenario um, where the army got shrunk so that only God could get the glory. And um, that's truly what we saw on this trip. There was um, just so many things, I mean, countless things that God did. I mean, we were only there 14 days, and we could write multiple books on all the crazy things that God did. Um, I'll share a funny story and then a, a real one uh, <laughs> uh, that's um, more impactful. But at, at the job site um, where we realized we were not um, helping at all, <laughs> uh, I was still getting film, as Adam mentioned. Uh, we were kind of the film crew, and I was like, well, i got to get some uh, film on this construction. And uh, being an engineer, that type of thing really um, is cool for me to be able to witness and be a part of. And it's a lot different over there than it is here. Um, but I was like, they're, they're putting up roof trusses. Like, I got to get up there. I got to get on the roof. And um, Megan doesn't like me going up high on things, so it was good that she wasn't there. Um, but I, I told the engineer who happened to be one of our partner's brothers over there, I was like, I got to go get some footage up on the roof. And so he said something in Kenya, Rwanda to the workers there. And keep in mind, they don't have, like, the regular tools that we have. Like, a ladder is basically two sticks with, like, um, just sticks in between for the rungs. Uh, and so the engineer said something to these workers, and they go and grab their ladder, and they lay it down, and they start reinforcing every step. <laughs> and so I, I actually have film of it, but they're, they're, the uh, engineer's like, well, you're a heavyweight, so we got to make sure that these steps, steps hold. Um, so that was fun. But anyways, I got some good footage up on the roof. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's more of a funny story. But um, one of the more... Uh, just crazy God moments there for uh, myself and Megan. Um, we got to do some of the interviews for uh, families who needed their children sponsored. And so we went around to some remote villages um, to talk to families, to interview them, see what their kids' uh, schooling is, if they have any, if, you know, what the home life is like. And the very first place we went to, um, we walk up and it, I mean, it's just a mud house. It's just adobe, mud and straw, very small. And we walk up and there's a mom and the two kids are just in rags. I mean, shirts barely on, holes everywhere. Um, and so we start talking and hearing the life story. Um, she's, the mom's married and her husband sometimes is able to work, but finding work over there is difficult, let alone work that actually pays. And um, rent over there for a house like that they were living in, um, it's less than like $20 a month. It's more like $12 a month. And th a bag of rice is $4, and they can't even afford those things. And so th this family, it's not even their home. They can't afford rent. They're at jeopardy of being just relocated at any time and kicked out. 
Um, and so just that alone was pretty heart-wrenching just to see the poverty and the need. And, um, but we, we were getting all this information because we're like, okay, well, like we're here for a reason. The Lord's going to do something. Like we can, we can help these kids find a sponsor. And so one of the things that we were trying to do on this trip was get as much detail as we could about the children. And so, um, and Megan and I, we also sponsor kids through Compassion. And one thing I noticed on Compassion's website is that they list the kid's birth date because some people, when they're looking to sponsor a kid, they're like, well, maybe I'll just find one with my birthday. Um, and so that's something that we were trying to uh, get from all the people we interviewed over there. And so we asked the mom uh, what the seven-year-old daughter, uh, Jacqueline, what her birthday was. And uh, in the video Adam put together, there was a little clip where you saw, like, paperwork, this yellow paperwork, and people looking through it. So they had the paperwork for the kids, which was really cool. But a lot of families don't even know their birthdays because they don't have the paperwork and they don't celebrate birthdays. So they're like, I think my kid's, you know, seven or eight, but we don't know. And so that was sad. But this mom had the paperwork and she comes out and the translator's looking at it and he's like, okay, so Jacqueline, the daughter, her birthday's January 9th. Um, and Megan's like, oh my gosh, that's my birthday. And I'm over here filming, just in the back with my iPhone, and they grabbed the paperwork for the little boy, five-year-old Claude, um, who was in the video. He was uh, in rags in the video. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, I swear, if they say December 23rd, like, I'm going to lose my mind. And then the translator's looking, and he's like, it's December, it's December 23rd, is the brother. I'm like, that's my birthday. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And so we kind of had a freak out moment. And um, yeah, it was, it was a God moment for sure. And Megan and I went back to the car to get them some clothes and stuff because we had extra clothes. And we're like, if this isn't a sign from the Lord that we got to sponsor these kids, then we don't know what it is. Um, because, I mean, the odds of a recently married couple having the same birthdays as uh, a brother and a sister uh, um, who are in need, I mean, only God can make that divine appointment. And so... Uh, we totally just saw the word work in mysterious ways, and um, it's just so cool. There's so many more stories um, that I'd love to share, and being a son of my father, I could share for a long time. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was just cool um, just to witness how the Lord spoke to each and every one of us, and it really was just a spirit-led trip. Um, and, you know... Uh, Adam didn't mention this, uh, but with him and his preaching, um, God equipped Adam more than he knew, um, and Adam did a great job delivering the word of God, and afterward, two people gave their hearts to the Lord in service, so he left that part out, but uh, just all that to say, God is good. I mean, we saw tens, um, almost, I mean, when we were there, I mean, we were getting close to 75, 80 people who gave their hearts to the Lord over the course of the trip. Um, and I mean, your guys' generosity, your prayers, um, just have gone so far and they continue to do so. Um, and there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and we're excited and eager to go back and hopefully the, seeing the videos and the pictures, uh, stir something more in you, uh, to be praying, to give, to even go next time we go. But, um, before I take the rest of the service, I'll let my wife share. <laughs> Um, it, it really was amazing to see what the Lord did, and even thinking of Jacqueline and Claude, um, to see them the first week when we first met them, just covered in rags, and 
like Adam shared earlier, you could see it all over their faces, um, just the pain. And by, it's, it gets me emotional, but um, by the end of the trip, to see the joy and um, the warmth and the light, um, it, it changes you as a person. And I, I left Rwanda and our whole team left Rwanda, just changed for the better. Um, and so it was um, just a, such an honor to partner with the Lord in the work that was done there. And as I came home, I was reflecting and journaling and I was in Exodus 3, 7 through 8, and I read about how the Lord saw the affliction of his people in Egypt, and he heard their cries, and he came to, bring them, to deliver them and bring them up out of their land and lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And before the trip, I had been asking the Lord uh, for a word from him and just to prepare my heart and, and what he had for me um, in Rwanda, and he kept giving me the word honey and just sweet like honey, and it kept, I was looking up scriptures, and trying to figure out the meaning of why the Lord gave me this word, and now coming back and reading that scripture, I see it, and um, we lived it, and we witnessed how um, the Lord saw the affliction of his people in Rwanda, living in these villages, living in this extreme poverty, and he heard the cries of their hearts, and um, he used our team those two weeks, um, in miraculous ways, um, just to, to share joy and hope. And, um, and I believe that this is just the beginning of him bringing them up out of this land, out of this poverty, and um, into a land of abundance where they'll have a brand new life. And we're believing that for every single family that we um, had the opportunity to encounter. And I wanna share a story with you of one of the families that was on the previous picture. Um, it was a sister, so the oldest in the back, um, her name is uh, Datif, and uh, she is the eldest of the three older children in that photo. And um, those four kids lost their mother and their father, and so she took the position of being the primary caregiver. And she's 28 years old and has been just raising up her three siblings. And on top of that, had her own child, um, the little girl in the white dress. Her name is Darkus, and she's five years old. And while interviewing this family, we, we got to learn more about their story, and um, you could see the pain on their face and um, the burden that Datib was carrying for her siblings and for her daughter. And um, we came to learn that um, Darkus's father was never a part of her life, that little girl in the, in the white dress. Um, and Datib ended up marrying a different man and we found out that he's um, in prison for the next 25 years because he sexually assaulted Darkus, that little girl in that photo. And um, God just, um, he wrecked us, you know, and this is just one of, of many stories. And, um, and it's just amazing because the whole time, I just, we were looking at this little girl and loving on her and loving this family and just praying for them. We got to pray with every single family that we encountered, every single person even. It felt like those divine appointments were just every day, many a day. And um, I just kept thinking in my mind, God is going to redeem her life. God is going to redeem this family. I just know it and I believe it. And um, through the Muzima program, the shirt I'm wearing is... Um, our sponsorship program at Apple of His Eye Charity. And Muzima in Kenya, Rwanda means come alive. And we witnessed on that trip hope come alive and joy come alive. And I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart, God is using this program to transform lives. 
and it is, it's beautiful to see and to witness someone's just entire demeanor change from pain and hurt and brokenness to see just hope enter and to see the light come. Um, it was just, it was amazing, um, amazing to be a part of. And so this family, um, like I mentioned, is one of the many families in need of a sponsor. And it can, it definitely can feel overwhelming with how great of a need there is. Um, but I just want to encourage you, it starts with one. It starts with one child in this family. Um, our program, it's $50 a month, and they get an education, they get food. Um, in many cases, we help them find new housing. And our partners are doing, they're pouring their hearts and souls into this program. And um, so I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling led uh, for to be a part of this sponsorship program, we'll be available after to talk more about it. And um, we have their profiles that we would love to share with you. Um, and there are many, many other ways, like Stella shared, just with uh, purchasing bikes, bags of rice. A bag of rice is $4.50. And this, uh, many of these families are working all day just to make $2. And so our vision for this family and many others is for all these kids to receive a sponsor and for the oldest sister to receive a scholarship to go to Hope Vocational Training Center so she can get a job. Um, she likes to sew, is what we learned. So um, it's... I could go on and on like everyone mentioned, but I just want to thank you um, to all of you here at Hillside. I cannot express enough how much you were a part of this trip and um, your prayers, your resources that you poured out, just the love, the support was overwhelming. Our partners out there know Hillside by name, and it was amazing because they gave a PowerPoint presentation to share the vision of um, the Muzima program, of just what they see happening um, in Rwanda and wanting to plant churches and things. And they had five partners listed, and one was Apple of Zai Charity, the other was Hillside Church. And so that was so cool to, to see and um, just to hear Hillside, Hillside Rwanda. And um, I can't thank you enough on behalf of um, Apple of Zai Charity, our entire team. Um, you guys responded to the needs, and we were able to um, do miraculous things beyond beyond us um it was by the grace of god and so thank you all amen yeah let's get let's just give it up for these guys great job you guys you guys can make your way down <laughs> i heard some people get excited when they said six hour service so i'm pretty excited about that now too <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting because coming back, this is probably my 15th or 16th short-term mission trip, and every trip changes you to some degree and some measure. And I, I was pretty convinced that I wasn't going to be emotional, and uh, I realized I'm not going to be able to tell a story at all this morning because I would probably start blubbering and it would not be pretty. Um, for me, I will say this, that one of the greatest joys uh, as a pastor is seeing um, my brothers and sisters being used as the hands and feet of our loving God. There, there's nothing more rewarding and joyful than to see um, you be the hands of feet and feet of the Lord. 
and it is uh, it's it's a treasure um, to to hear a need to see a need and to fill a need is a kingdom principle you look at the life of Christ everywhere he went he saw a need and he met the need um, and so as his children we get to model that it's not just Rwanda it's not any just remote space on this globe but it's your neighborhood it's your grocery store it's your bank it's where you do commerce it's your workplace it's your work associates it's the people we come into contact on a daily basis that we get to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus. America seems to be a place where there's a tremendous amount of apathy, there's a tremendous amount of complacency, there's a tremendous amount of aversion, it seems, to the Christian faith anymore. And yet, I heard this morning, time and time and time again, people talking about the prompting of the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God prompted, they moved, and there was something that seemed to be an ordinary engagement that became a divine appointment. And um, we don't know what today holds for each one of us, right? But if we're available, God will use us. God will use us. And so I want to encourage you to be prepared to be used today. Be prepared to be used even today, right? Every day there was divine appointments in Rwanda. Uh, and it's interesting, too. You know, you go on a mission trip, and every day we were there, we started the day off just praying, God, use us, God, use us, God, use us. And I thought to myself, what if we prayed that way every day? That God use us, God use us, God use us. That if we recognized that we actually are on a mission trip right now. I mean, it's the real deal. Right? We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us to a world that desperately needs him. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And through us, the message is be reconciled unto God. Be reconciled unto the Lord. Um, you see on the screen there, that's uh, Klebert. And uh, the drawing that he did for me there is uh, the convention center in downtown Kilgali. And at nighttime, it lights up with these bright lights. And so he, uh, in appreciation, he uh, borrowed pens from his uh, little siblings that received backpacks and uh, drew this picture in quite... I mean, it's dimensionally all correct. I mean, the fact that he's going to art school is going to be a beautiful thing. But he, uh, he stole my heart and, uh, and since has even stolen my wife's heart. And, uh, ah, okay. It's, uh, it's a picture of the widow's mite. Right? Um. We sponsor a little girl, her name is Hope. And uh, I met Hope, and she stole my heart immediately. And um, we got to be a blessing to her and her mother. And uh, 
then the first Saturday we had this day where you saw pictures of, I mean, that was Spider-Man. <laughs> that Spider-Man actually put amazing in the amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, and Hope had this amazing day, and her mom came to pick her up when it was time to be picked up. And so we were all meeting and greeting, and I met Hope's mother for the first time. Her name is Patricia. And uh, kind of as we were given last hugs, Hope came up and she hugged me one more time. And then with her crumbled hand like this, she opened my hand and put something in my hand. And then just turned away and she was just weeping. And I opened my hand and there was a Rwandan $500 bill, which is the equivalent of 50 cents in America. And I said uh, to our translator, I, I can't take this. He said, no, you have to take that. Because she's saying, you've given, and she hasn't been able to give in return. Well, I would not have known. She would not have known. Her mother would not have known. Incidentally, the only place she would get that kind of money, being a five-year-old, would be from her mother. Uh, her mother is to be evicted from their, uh, it's kind of like a two-room mud shack, not much larger than probably this part of the stage and that part of the stage. And what separates the front room from the back room is a sheet that hangs on a piece of string with two nails on the wall. In the front room, when we went to visit her, there were two plastic chairs that you and I would take to the dump. When we came to visit, they had to borrow a wooden bench from the neighbor next door, and the wooden bench is something that you and I would have used for kindling on the first day we made a fire in our yard. It, the abject poverty is just something that's inconceivable, and she's being evicted because she can't, not only can she not send her daughter to school, but because of the sponsorship, she's now able to go. And incidentally, when you sponsor a child, they go to a Christian school, and they're introduced to Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's the significant piece, right? Um, rent is $12 a month. And she gave me what would be equivalent of 50 cents as a gift. When we discovered that she was being evicted, not only did we discover that she has three additional sub siblings or uh, Patricia has three additional children that uh, don't live with her because she can't afford to feed them and she can't afford to send them to school so they're with another relative. Um, she had no idea when she gave that God was going to do something in their life also and as a result of our team being there, now her rent is covered and not only is her rent covered for life but her rent is going to increase so that we a house can be found that can house her additional three children so that her three kids can come home and live with her. But she had no idea, and it was the widow's might. She gave everything she had, and God saw that, and God saw fit to make a need met. And here's what I want to say to you. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, um, there's a story of, prophet who um, was sent 
to a widow to be fed. And when he got there to the city, she was picking up sticks. Perhaps you know the story. And uh, he said to her, um, could you fetch me some water? She said, okay. And he, <laughs> she's working. He arrives at the city gate. says, hey, could you snag me some water? <laughs> and as she's walking away, he says, and fetch me a morsel to eat. I can almost see the picture. She turns around and she says, look, I'm picking up sticks and I'm going into my house and I'm going to make a fire and with a handful of flour that I have and the little oil I have, I'm going to make a cake for my son and I and we're going to eat it and we're going to prepare ourselves to die. And he says, give me some meal first. And she did. And the flour and the oil never ran dry, right? Giving out of need, giving out of not our abundance, but giving out and watching what God will do as a result of that. There's another story in the Old Testament, uh, Elijah, the prophet. Um, he went to a house and there was a widow. Her husband was of the sons of the prophet. And she said, you knew my husband, a faithful man, and um, he's now dead, and the creditors are coming to take my two sons. And they're going to be slaves until our debt is paid. And he said, well, what would you have me to do? And then he said, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing in my house but a vessel of oil. Let me, let me say this real quick. The only thing that you and I have of value in this house is a vessel of oil, the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing we can give people that's of any value. It's the Holy Ghost. The first widow, she gave flour and oil. She gave bread and oil. She gave Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And the supply never emptied in her house. He said, great. Have your sons go collect empty vessels and not a few. Say that with me real quick. And not a few. Not a few. Here's the assignment for you and I at Hillside. We have to go collect empty vessels and bring them into the house so that they can receive the Spirit of God in their lives. To be filled to the brim with the Spirit of God. He said, go out and get empty vessels and not a few. I want to encourage you that you have a divine appointment even today that will involve inviting someone to come into the house of God. Invite the empty vessels that you know that don't know Jesus. Invite them in that they might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that the oil that is within us, the Spirit of God, might be poured out 
into their lives as they give their hearts to Jesus and the Spirit of God takes up residence in them. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen? Amen. So church, stand with me this morning. We have an initiative for the one, for the one. There's empty vessels, and they need the Lord. They need the Lord. We did, we saw some 80 people or more come to Christ. In the vocational school this term, there's 172 students. Before we arrived there, Pastor Emmanuel shared, and 75 of those students gave their hearts to Christ. And while we were there, the gospel was shared, and another 57 gave their hearts to Christ. And two of the construction workers, on top of the one construction worker that was led to Christ by uh, TJ and Gina. And so God is at move, and God is working. And so the graduation is coming up in June. There are 27 welding students. Here's an, here's an amazing story. You know, we were posting things on social media, and many of you responded during those times. And, you know, I heard, you know, $100, $200, $500. Someone contacted me from because of one of you sharing it on your Facebook page. And he contacts me, and I'm like, uh, he's got questions. And so I said, just send me an email. He sent me an email. I, I was able to receive emails like three or four days that I was there. His email comes through. I answered the questions, got a response out. Turns out, not only was he going to cover $1,000, but he went to his church, and now their church covered $4,000 to upgrade the welding school right over there at the Hope Vocational Training. It's Harvest Church right over here in Troutdale. I'm like, come on. That's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, praise God. It's the kingdom working together to make a difference. Amen. So I'm hoping to go back in June to be a part of the graduation because 27 of those welding students already have gripped my heart, and many of them have given their hearts to Jesus. And so uh, who knows? We'll see what God has in store. But we've got some empty vessels to find. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. Lord, we love you. It's, uh, it's not like an African service this morning, but we did go about 10 minutes over. <laughs> uh, but, Lord, will you be glorified in us and through us. And, Lord, use us this week to find empty vessels so that we can invite them to come into the house to be filled with the oil of God. And so, Lord, use us, change us, transform us, and help us to be about the kingdom in all we do. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said a hearty amen.